Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. I've been looking forward to this one <laughs> for a while. This is one of my favorite people in basketball, one of the best people that I've been fortunate enough to spend time around in, in my years of doing this job, Kevin Ollie, who is the head of coaching and, and player development with Overtime Elite, and we'll get into that, which has become a force and a real impactful player now in the feeder system into the NBA, and, and we'll see back into college basketball too, based out of Atlanta, but Kevin is here in the New York area with his team, his group. Kevin, it is good to see you. It's great to see you too, Woj. I'm excited to be here, and congratulations on all your success. Well, anything I ever did started with you. The first team I ever covered, my first job in Waterbury, Connecticut, <laughs> early 90s, was UConn basketball, and you were part of a freshman class yeah. <laughs> uh, with Donnie Marshall, who went on. Were you guys teammates in New Jersey for a little bit? No, we missed, missed each, each other. other. Yeah, we missed played. each other. Yep. And of course, Danielle Marshall, who became a you know was a lottery pick, had a great career. Brian Fair, Rudy Johnson from yeah. Jacksonville, <laughs> Florida. I'm trying to think of the rest of that recruiting class. Who? Uh, Richie Ashme. Richie Ashme from, from Holy Queens, Cross. Yeah, yeah, from Holy Cross. Uh, missing somebody. Uh, Jeff Calhoun. Jeff, Jeff Calhoun, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it, it was really the group that started to put UConn basketball on the map on a national level, and then Ray Allen came after, and Daron Sheffer from Israel. People forget about him. Tremendous oh, that's the ice man. player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll get into that. But I've uh, your journey since then, undrafted NBA player. I remember seeing you. Two years in this old Continental Basketball Association, the CBA. Yeah. Yep. The Hartford Hellcats, right? Connecticut Pride and Hartford Hellcats. Yep, it started Hel Hartford Hellcats and then switched over really quick to Connecticut Pride. I remember seeing yeah, you. Playing in the old armory. Yep, I remember going over to one of your practices <laughs> when you were with the Hellcats, and it was uh, it was the CBA. It was the and then and then you get into the NBA and play thirteen plus years. Uh, several teams, 76ers, three times. Three times, yeah. They and couldn't I, get rid of me. Right, and I remember, Larry, you you really found a spot on that Larry Brown team, and that was your big contract, right? Wasn't it? Um, five years, $15 million was the most security, right? Yeah, that was yeah. after um, I went to Milwaukee and then got traded to Seattle. Right. I got that deal. But the Philadelphia and Larry Brown, he yeah. put the signature on me, and I never left the NBA after that. That's so, right. Um, first two years, I was back and forth. I played for five different teams in my first two years in the NBA because of 10-day contracts yep. and, and whatnot. But then once I got with Larry Brown, he stamped me. And, you know, I really appreciate him for doing all that. But it was more off the court where I learned the most from him. And um, he's an outstanding friend of mine and always will be a father figure for, to me. Yeah, that, that was – those teams, those Larry Brown teams built around Allen Iverson mm -hmm. with Eric Snow and – uh, Theo, Ratliff, Theo Ratliff, right? It was yeah. just a really unique. Aaron McKee, Aaron George McKee. Lynch. <laughs> it we was had just some, some tough they were guys. Larry Brown players. It was <laughs> yes, no doubt. Right, uh, guy. Execution was. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd get in the end of a game and you, nobody was better in the half court, right? Yes, yes, and that's that's what happened with Larry Brown. I mean, in practices, we didn't go up and down the court probably three times till he stopped it because he. 
I think he started control scrimmages. <laughs> <laughs> I really think he started control scrimmages because every day was a control scrimmage with him, and it was so much knowledge learned. And even, like, I tell the stories, like, even when the guys didn't play, like me, Ty McCullough, Jermaine Jones, um, Ira Bowman, um, I can just go down the mm-hmm. list. We played three on three. And Coach would coach that more than he would coach the five-on-five in practice because he loved to coach the guys that was the underdogs and the three-on-three. And all of us left there and got got contracts. Um, It was just amazing to see him, this Hall of Fame coach, coaching three-on-three on on a Saturday when when we should not be practicing. It was, like, mandatory for us. (laughs) Right. You know, it was like – it was outstanding to see, and it always stuck to me as a coach that you coach – the 13th man, just as much as you coached the first on, on the totem pole. I want to get back to some your, your NBA career, you know, including Oklahoma City when you were around the three great young players at the time and Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and, of course, James Harden. But OTE and what you guys have built in a really short time, just a couple of years mm-hmm. now – in Atlanta, and I, I've got to admit, I was skeptical when the idea of this started. You know, we've seen different development ideas pop up, and the and the kind of money they were talking about paying the players, it didn't it didn't seem to make economic sense. Mm-hmm. But it's a different model, and it's not based on necessarily the the investment is in it's it's as much a really more of a media company. You're not trying to sell tickets to come watch these guys. It's it's highlights. It, it, it's something else, and so. And it went from your competing to get guys, instead of going to the G League Ignite or college, come to OTE and you come at a younger age, then you, you, you're also doing, had the educational component. Yep. But now with NIL, you can structure the NIL so that if a guy wants to go to college and play college basketball, he retains his eligibility. His that eligibility. becomes yep. a big part of this. Mm-hmm. And it came at an interesting time for you, Kevin. Your tenure at UConn had ended. You won a national championship. There is head coach, and then it ends in an acrimonious way there at your alma mater, a place that, as we said, you helped put on the map nationally, um, and one it hung a banner in, does not end the way I would imagine you would have ever dreamed <laughs> it was going to end. <laughs> and so, listen, I know how well regarded you are in the NBA. We'll get into that. You've turned down NBA head coaching jobs while you were at UConn. Somebody calls you with this idea and explains it to you, you thought what? First of all, I was like, what is this? Um, I thought it was different, first and foremost. Um, I wanted to know like who was involved in it, um, the investors, the resources that we had around it. They first saw, said it was going to be in Kennesaw or outside of Orlando. I was like, where is this? <laughs> where, where are we going to be housing the players? So I had all these questions. And then I sat down with the higher-ups in overtime, um, led by Dan Porter and Zach, um, the co-founders and our great co-founders. Um, and they just laid out the plan. And it aligned with what I believe in my values as teaching and, and, and supporting the whole man. Not just the talent of a basketball player, but the whole man. Like his spirit, his emotional state, um, his financial literacy. Because we all seen the pitfalls of NBA players getting stuff too fast, too early, and don't know the knowledge of behind behind basketball. Yeah, you right. can dribble, but it's a whole business behind that. And to teach these young 
you know, and mold them as, as early as we can was, was a dream come true for me. And it allowed me to step back in without the pressures of I got to play this senior to get, to get another contract or I got – it's just true development, skill development. But the biggest thing, whoa, just mindset development. How do we make their minds and rewire their thinking because they all come in as, as some of the top players, but then you got to play with another top player. That's a hard thing, and a lot of emotions come up. How do we allow them to deal with that and teach them to be balanced with that was one thing that I, what I, one thing that I loved about the program. Yeah, and it's, to me it's an interesting dichotomy because here's sort of a business model that's built around highlight dunks, highlight reel dunks that you can monetize as a business. And as a kid, you might come in thinking, oh, that's what we do at Overtime Elite. We just come in and we make highlight plays. <laughs> that's not who you are. <laughs> no. And so I'm interested in sort of like you've got this business model and then you've got the way Kevin Ali is going to run a basketball program and the values you're teaching. What, what was that like initially? Like do some of the kids initially come in thinking – that's what this is going to be, and you're there to say, nope, that's not exactly what this is going to be? I mean, that was a challenge uh, when we first got there. Uh, we didn't we didn't recruit our players. We had 26 players that we didn't recruit, we didn't know. Um, we had to set a standard, some pillars down, first and foremost, is playing together, is playing with juice. We had level five energy, you know, all those different things that maybe sometimes they're not accustomed to or somebody's not demanding them to, you know, be accountable on and off the basketball court. Um, it was a lot of challenges, but I always use the word challenging because I see a championship opportunity in that. I had 26 young men that was eager to start on their journey, um, and they bet on themselves. I mean, they took away, okay, I'm not going to college. I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity with Overtime Elite, and I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to do something that's never been done before, and that's a huge leap of faith. Like leaving everything that they know to come to Atlanta with 25 different other people that they don't know. And for us to really capture that and harness that and get through the season, I thought it was great for them. But I just thought the visionary and being disruptive and doing all the different things that OTE build their 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 company on is right up my alley. Because I never want to be the same. I want to disrupt. You know, I want to be a visionary. I want to have faith. And um, I just started aligned with all my goals, and our players bought into it. Um, they bet on themselves. We bet on ourselves as a as a company. And and look at us now. Um, we got a lot more growing to do, but a lot of people didn't think we was gonna make it to year two mm -hmm. or even finish year one. And we did that successfully. And that's because of all the people rolled up their sleeves from academic, uh, from the communications, from brand and marketing. Um, our HPD team, all of us did it together, and I think that, that worked out to be the best. Is it in, in some ways more when people try to think of a comparison, especially because you're getting guys – it's not college-age guys. These are high school. These yeah. are 16-year-old players moving away from home. Mm -hmm. It's closer to like maybe like a Mount Verde or a IMG Academy. It's closer to that model than it is, say, what life is like for the G League Ignite or what life's like at a high major – college except there's a different financial component to component it component to it yes right like but it's it's different when a 16 year old kid moves away and mm -hmm. there's some money in his pocket and it's yeah. new how do i it's it's just that's a different level of coaching and mentoring yeah right? it's a different culture a moment of mentoring plus you become you become probably the breadwinner of your family you know that's a lot of pressure how do i say yes how do i say no um 
Where's my money going? That's a lot of pressure. But pressure is also an opportunity to get better through it. And we just want to support. We want to give our players the roadmap. And give them the roadmaps. Here we where you want to be at. If you want to be a pro, these are the different pro habit things you want to do to, to do each and every day. Um, the small little details is where you're going to get significant gains at. And just try to teach them and try to support them because they already got the masterpiece inside. It's just us chipping away of it. It's us exposing it on a on a grander level more consistently. But they already have talent. They already have a masterpiece. God has already blessed them. But how can we support them to be the best version of themselves each and every day? And how do they get better even when it don't look like it's going their way? Can they keep enthusiasm from problem to problem, from stumble to stumble, from failure and wins? Can they keep that same enthusiasm? That's what we really want to teach them. And that's just part of my life. So it comes easy to me because I've stumbled my way to success a lot. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, when I think of your career and sort of your vows, I remember once I don't know where we were. You had been traded with Ray Allen, right? Yeah. You went they from like yes, right, Milwaukee to Milwaukee to Seattle, yes. right? Yes. And I remember we were at practice. I don't remember where it was. And Ray had come out to talk and said something about, "Yeah, I'm staying over at the W Hotel. I'm staying at the W something downtown." And you came over and I said something like, "Oh, are you over at the W with Ray?" And I, what I remember is you said no. It was either like the Hampton Inn Suites or the, um, or the or the Homestead Suites. They had them. I got a hot plate. I, I'm there and I got a hot plate and I'm cooking, and it was very much of a CBA minor league mindset. And I, and I remember I looked and you might have been making like nine hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah. That year. I remember for some reason that number yeah, sticks right, in my head. Right, right, right. But but you also but to me what it spoke to was, <laughs> like I'm sure there's a lot of kids who come into your program. They all think they're going to be they're going to be a lottery pick mm-hmm. and they're going to sign max deals. And I think some of them might, you know, the Thompson, the Thompson twins are, are projected, I think what third and eighth in our mock draft this year. Um, although being a lottery pick doesn't mean that you couldn't be out of the league in for it. Cause we have plenty of examples. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't mean two anything years guaranteed. And that's um, it. Yeah. But, but if they're fortunate, their careers would look like yours. As you, you and I both know, if someone could promise you 13 years in the NBA, you'd sign up, for, sign up for it. Yep. Like no matter who, yep. Um, but there's some level level setting too, right? About there are a lot of guys ranked where you're ranked. Let's go look and see what happened to them 
it, it's you know there, there's so many factors that go into mm-hmm. it and uh, to have right that opportunity to, to be able your story to me is it really is an inspirational one of undrafted minor leagues and tenacity and perseverance because you know those are the guys who separate themselves I know there were guys a bit more talent than you yeah who fell by the wayside yeah. But very few had your drive yeah. and your. I remember at UConn, they would every year they would bring in a point guard who was going to beat you out. <laughs> right. Remember Co- Covington Cormier, Covington right? Cormier. God bless him. Yeah, I think. God yeah. bless him. I love yeah, right. God bless. Covington bless Cormier yeah. was going to come in and beat you out, and you. you <laughs> I remember like the first day of practice, you started picking him up full court, and it was pretty quick. He was going to be your backup, right? Yeah. But that's what you were in for as right. a player. They're going. They're always going to be looking to upgrade on you. Oh, right. definitely, definitely. I remember that like yesterday. I actually, I was in L.A., so I was just – my first year um, at UConn uh, playing against Chris Smith. Yep. So we had a uh, one-on-one drill, Coach Calhoun, famous one-on-one drill Coach Calhoun had. And I stayed in that one-on-one drill with Chris Smith. Everybody knows one of the greatest players ever to play at UConn. Low dribble cross. What, what, what did they call? What did they call the dribble? Uh-huh. Remember the, the Smith, the Smith weave, <laughs> yeah, right? Remember yeah, the yeah. Smith weave. Yeah, the Smith yeah. bob, the yeah, Smitty yeah. bob, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And I stayed in that drill for it had. To, it felt like an hour for me, but about 15 minutes. I couldn't stop him. And I was just like, I pride myself on defense. Coming from Crenshaw, and I remember walking home to my dorm, and I was shedding some tears. It was kind of at nighttime. I didn't want nobody to see me. And I called my mom. I was like, Mom, I'm coming home. You told me to let's go to UCLA. I'm coming home. And the only thing I heard was a click on the phone. (laughs) And that was the the greatest time that I got someone to hang up the phone on me because it's most time you want to call and get your baby back. It was like, no, you made that decision. You stay with it. And that was like the biggest lesson for me. And then it transpired into that second year and Covington coming. Chris Smith has graduated. I thought I had a job and I'm the sophomore. And we get this guy from JUCO that's jumping out the gym. And actually one of my good friends, he was in part of our class in Tambu Willingham. His brother, Babatu Willingham, called me like, oh, this guy just dunked on Danielle Marshall. You better get your butt to the gym. And I was like, okay, don't, don't worry about it. I'm in the gym. Because I know no one's going to outwork me. They might be talented than me, but I just I, – I, I, I look at myself as just a grinder. Like, I'm going to just get in the mud and I'm going to just work and I'm going to just figure it out. I'm just relentless at that because God has gave me so much favor in my life. So I just decided, like, all right, let's go. Let's roll them up. And I, and I promise you, when he had to go to the restroom, I was going to the restroom. That's how, that's how like, psychotic I was. I remember and obsessed it. With him. I like, remember no, it. No, no, no. And I was the best friends off the court, yeah. but it's just something changed when I get in those lines. It's like I'm eating or I'm or I'm, or I'm starving, like I, one or the other. It's no gray area in between. And I just think I black out and I just go into some some mode of some guy that's just is relentless. And that's what I did. And you know, um, beat him out, and then Daron Shefford came. Yep. And I was like, Coach, man, you're going to get tired. they just going to play with me, Coach. Like, <laughs> and he ended up playing people. alongside yeah. you. He played, played off the ball. One of the yep. phenomenal backcourts um, in Big East history. With the young players and, and the age of the young players you have, listen, mental health is, it is, an, it is an issue with people of all ages in this country, but younger people and the issues, the – the stress, all the things that impact someone's well-being of trying to be balanced and focused and handling everything. It's harder than it's ever been. How much of that is your job of of, of, there's a crisis in this country Mm -hmm. and with young people and 
like you said, young people who are blessed with great talent, but comes pressures, pressures of people. And like you said, guys are getting compensated pretty well at a young age. How do you, but, but also the, all the stuff that can derail the growth of a young person, but a young basketball player, how much of your time is spent navigating those things? A lot of it. A lot of it, because I just think, you know, being a mindful athlete is one of the things that I brought in our first our first um, uh, year at Overtime Elite and, you know, brought in someone named George Mumford to really help our guys. And I learned so much from George. And one of the biggest things I learned from George is what, what we always say is an inside job. You know, you wired with success, but anything that comes your way, you got to accept yes and cultivate hope from them situations. And, you know, your emotions are emotions. They're there for a reason, but they're not who you are. And you can learn from your emotions, but they're not who you are. It's like a storm passing through the night. Storm might stay, and we think when it's raining, it's going to continue to rain. No, that rain is going to disappear, and then the sun is going to come out. But that's just how your emotions are. But, you know, these days with social media, you have to be so perfect. You you know, you get on, you know, some of our games. Oh, the Thompson Twins can't shoot, or they, they can't do this, and everybody is – deflecting and everybody is pointing and blaming and they can't do this. It's like, no, you know, they're still work in progress and they in the gym and they're going to be outstanding shooters. You can't get in caught up in somebody sitting at their house every day that never been in this arena, that never practiced. Just keep planting the seeds each and every day and fertile ground. And the biggest thing, whoa, just like hard work's going to pay off, but we don't never know when. Like, that's where people get caught up in the win. Like, they don't know when it's going to pay off. But if you just keep planting seeds and you keep believing in yourself and you keep watering those things with work ethic, they're going to blossom. They're going to blossom, and it's going to be a, a, a tree for everybody to be under and, 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 and fruit for people to grab from. So I just really tell them that. And it's just, you know, you're wired for success. you got to believe in yourself when other people believe, don't believe in you. And I don't believe in walking by somebody. Just work past them. Your haters going to be out there. Just work past them. That's all you have to do. And I truly believe that in my heart because that's one thing that I did. But it was it's, it's a mind. You, you know, you have to make this your best friend, Rose. If it's not your best friend, it's going to be tough for you to get to the NBA. Because you go in there at a – you know, we, we saw Tony Parker. Tony Parker came and spoke to him. He said, Tim Duncan didn't speak to him for the first year. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't say a word to him. Just wanted to see his work ethic, see if he was going to show up, see if he was going to have the pro habits. And that's what it's going to be sometimes. So how are you going to handle that? How are you going to handle getting sent down to the G League? How are you going to handle that? Them are all emotions that you got to, one, be aware of, two, accept, and three, have curiosity about them. Don't push them away. Feel them. Name them. And then have a support system around you. And I think Elite, uh, Overtime Elite does all four of those things at a credible, credible high level. Kevin, you're later in your career as a player, being in Oklahoma City with – Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and I knew Sam Presti. He would have, I think, you could have stayed as a player for, I think, as long as you wanted to play. He wanted you in that locker room. He wanted mm-hmm. you around mm-hmm. that group. What do you remember about that time with those young players and being around them at a very, really at the very beginning mm-hmm. for them? What was that like? Two things. Um with all three of those guys, and then all the guys we had, we had Nazi Muhammad around, we had Serge Ibaka, Baca, we yeah. had Nick Collison, we had some, we had some great players around us. Uh, Calvin Booth, you know, all these, 
you know, Ethan Thomas. You know, we had some great role players around him, and then we had just three button superstars. But the first thing I remember is, like, I get in early. I'm walking in like an hour early, hour 15. Those guys in there working out already, staying afterwards and doing a routine. 45 minutes, no matter what Kevin Durant did, no matter how many games he played back-to-back, 40, 40 minutes, get 40 points, going down and doing his routine. Just that, you know, that competitiveness and then the resilience that all three of them had to to come together and play as one, but then always had their individual talents too. James coming off the bench, sacrificing. He could have said, no, I want to be a starter. No, I'm going to come in off the bench and be a six-man. You know, just all those things. And then Sam Presley setting up the tradition around Oklahoma City that we're going to be a family. A lot of people say family, one, two, three family, but it's a lot of fake trust. That was real trust, that everything was about a family. Like if my wife came and my son came, no, y'all got tickets, y'all in the suites, y'all eating food. It was just like we doing everything for the family. And he set that up. And then the college atmosphere that we had with those fans, oh, they got, they got, they got some rabbit fans down there. And it was just a, a perfect storm, perfect conditions for that team to happen, um, to have them button superstars and then have – you know, Oklahoma City, that's not the L.A., not the flashy state, but when you came in there, you seen them thunder sticks mm-hmm. flying. You know, it was just a great atmosphere. Sam Presti um, and the owner of that team really, you really built, and I just try to be a part of it. and I thank Sam for giving me that opportunity. I really felt it was a special time in my life. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you're at UConn, Kevin, and you come in as an assistant under Jim Calhoun, he re- steps away, you take over your second year, you win a national championship, 2014. 2014, that's correct. Um, all of a sudden, you had already been talked about as an NBA, that you had a chance to really be a fast-track NBA head coach. You could have been, uh, you had a number of assistant coaching jobs. I, think any, like, I know you had a million of those offers. But then come head coaching um, when, when you went to UConn, it was a choice over going, staying, going to the NBA's assistant. You, you made a choice to go back to your alma mater. And there were opportunities that you stayed at UConn for. Cleveland, prior to LeBron James coming back the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, I know, were very interested in you around that time. Looking back, you might make a different decision. But at the time, very few people would have made, especially somebody who had the NBA background you had. Some of the college coaches have never been around the NBA. They don't know what they're getting into. You knew what the NBA mm-hmm. was. Looking back, was that a hard decision? Would you, would you do it differently now? Because there's only there's 30 of those, and you, you knew that as a coach. Yeah, but, right. but you stayed. You stayed at UConn. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I don't think I would do it differently because it was a little bit more than just basketball. First, it was loyalty. You know, won a national championship. I just didn't want to, all right, I got my national championship and just go. Um, I just bled blue, and I still bleed blue. Like, it's nothing like UConn, you know, um, from a school standpoint. It's nothing like putting that jersey on and playing for that 
for playing for that school. So I always was endowed to them and valued them and, and had a relationship. But also at the pinnacle of my career, you know, my personal life, I was going through a divorce. Um, so I had to think about my family, too. Um, and going through that divorce and getting a divorce and, you know, co-parenting. And my daughter was, you know, starting in middle school and going to high school. And my son was finishing high school and and, and going to Avon. Um, so I just really, really took that as like family first. And they've always sacrificed for me. I played with a lot of different teams. And my last five years of my career, me and my, you know, my ex-wife, Stephanie, uh, decided that, okay, I'm going to stay at whatever team I was with Philadelphia, and she was going to go back to Connecticut to establish a life for them, you know, that has some stability instead of me moving all around because I signed a five-year contract in Cleveland. I bought me a house in Strongsville. I was like, man, I'm all set. It got, mm-hmm. got traded the next summer. I was like, never again. <laughs> I'm not buying no house no more. And then I ended up playing in Philadelphia for four straight years. So God got a great sense of humor. But, you know, I just like, man, I need to be there for my daughter because I don't know how she's going to handle this divorce. I don't know how my son's going to handle this divorce because our whole world changed. The dynamic changed. But um, I think, you know, me and my ex-wife still does a great job co-parenting, but I just needed to be there. I couldn't be in Cleveland and have my mind what my daughter's doing, what my daughter's going through, what my son's going through, and try to coach that organization. So I had to be, I call it 10 toes in. I couldn't have five toes in and five toes in Connecticut. So I just decided family first, and that's what I truly believe. And anybody know me, know that's the story. And that's why I turned it down. And you, and you turn it down, and I think you thought, I think everybody thought, you'd be at UConn as long as you'd want to be there, that, that you were going to be, you know, you were the prodigal son coming back. You'd won a national championship. Everything was in place to have a long run it doesn't happen that way they fire you they try to fire you for cause they try to take away the money that was owed to you on your contract you filed a suit you got your money the case was (laughs) i can say it you can't it it was a it was a flimsy case to say the least and and you leave uconn and what to me it's like and having been there at the beginning with you and saw the impact you had Again, putting that school on the national map early in the Calhoun era and then coming back, winning a national championship. I know the relationships you have with some of the greatest names ever, guys you played with, Ray Allen and, of course, Daniel Marshall and Donnie Marshall, all the guys you played with. And to have it end like that, and and, and I hope there's someday you're going to be able to go back there and be recognized, and and maybe it doesn't happen right away because of a a suit and all that, but – you just said, I, I bleed blue. I love that place. It's got to be still heartbreaking that it wasn't a storybook it should have been. And you're in a position now where, I don't know, if you're gonna, you'd are gonna you walk back up on campus and show up at a game. That, that might not be an easy thing to do right now. I hope it is down the line. But what is it, just emotionally, uh, when you invest in a place like that, and now it's just something very different? Yeah, but like I said, you have to embrace yes with everything. And that was one chapter of my life. It's not my whole life. It's one chapter of my life. And, and it was a storybook. <laughs> it was storybook. You know, it ended, but everything ends. You know, my mom just, you know, transitioned to heaven on Mother's Day. So life ends, but we still have her in my heart. I still have you kind in my heart. Um, of course, it didn't, you know, 
end like I wanted to end, but hey, did I learn how many relationships that I built through the process? I mean, that's that's the championship. I raised the banner, but you know, the confetti came. We was back on the recruiting a week later. You know, but it was the time that we was banned from the from the NCAA tournament. Those guys put that jersey on and was like, I'm going to stand up with you, Coach. Shabazz Napier being the first one and Ryan Boatwright right behind him saying, all right, Coach, we ain't transferring. We right behind you. We believe in you. That's when we won the national championship. That was in 2013. People didn't see that. Yeah. You know, they just see and imitate, emulate the 2014, but nah, emulate the 2013 when, you know, the Big East was dismantling. We was moved out to – you know, not saying Tulsa bad. Or we playing Tulsa. We playing, you know, not not a traditional not, not, not rival. Eastern Carolina. Not yeah. not playing on the Big East, and you know the Syracuses and everything was dismantled. Coach Calhoun's leaving. They wondered what's the program's about. I mean, you know, we was banned from the NCAA tournament. We had players leave. We had two players go to the NBA. Two players leave. Roscoe Smith and Alex Oriaki to Missouri and UNLV. And everybody like, what y'all gonna do? We was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be the Hungry Huskies. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We're going to win 20 games in the Big East. And if we'd have had an NCAA tournament, we'd have been in the NCAA tournament. That's the fight we had. And I, I believe that was a championship. Everybody loves to look at 2014, but my process and what I look at is 2013. And that's what I want people to understand. Like, you, you, you got to get crushed. To make wine, a grape got to be crushed. <laughs> grape got to be crushed. It has to be crushed for it to make wine. It can't sit on the vine. It's going to rot. And when God's time to pluck you and crush you and convert you and put you back up and make you wine, that's what it's going to be. And I feel like I'm wine now because I've been through so many crushes in my life, but it never stopped me and never made me quit. Does coaching at some level in the NBA still interest you down the road? Of course. Um, I'm going to look at every option. Um, and if it if it comes my way, I'm going to look at the option. But for now, I live in a moment. And I don't think nothing's wrong with right now. Every time something gets wrong is that we anxious about the future or we worrying about, you know, we, we, we anxious about the future and we worrying about the past. Like, I believe everything starts with right now. And I'm having a great time with 31 young button superstars that sometimes they don't know what they don't know and just meeting them where they at and spending time with them and seeing their development, um, seeing their grit, seeing their fight. And we're doing something like how many times you can put yourself on something that's never been done before. Right. Like, whoa, this has never been done before. <laughs> like, my name is attached to this. These 31 players attached to this. Like, it's never been done before. And that's just a beautiful thing to be attached to. And we disruptors. You know, we're not – I think you build a we build a successful business around a problem. I think Zach and Dan, they seen a problem. They seen a problem in the system. They seen LaMelo Ball hacking the system and going over to Australia and people going to China. It's a problem here. So you build a, pro, you build a business around a problem. And us to build that problem, build that business, and then have a pathway to these guys to get to the pros, I think is beautiful. And now we got the pathway to get to college, and some of our guys are going to go to the G League, and some of our guys are going to go to Europe and play in Greece and play in the NBA, and we can be a conduit to all those different things and not oppose them but be allies. Man, what's, what's better than that? I know you think about now just its options. Not every option is for every kid, but every kid has – the option, yes. right? When you came out, you had no options. No options. You were picking a college. I'm going to high school and picking a college. That's it. Yes. That's the and, only way I could turn pro. Right. <laughs> In and, America. And now it's, well, I can go to college and 
but get NIL. I can go to G League Ignite for a year. I can go to mm-hmm. uh, OTE. I can and 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 it's created. The marketplace was demanding this, mm-hmm. right? And, yes. and it arrived. Yes, yes, totally. And if you really care about the student athlete, what you do, you give them options. You give them options. You don't turn on your TV and it's just Channel 5. You got 1,000 channels on direct TV or Prime Video. Let me put Prime Video in there. <laughs> <laughs> we got 1,000 channels of Prime Video, you know, and that's what it's all about because every channel is different programming. And that program could suit someone else. It could suit a student athlete. So why just keep them in just one box? And I think that's the visionary and, you know, what we have. It's like the future, future of high school basketball. You come and see our resources, see the coaches that we have, the skill developments that we have, the the academics that we have, our beautiful facilitators that teach our guys to have passion for what they want and then teaching them about the passion that they need. And, um, you know, what we do, you know, from a media standpoint, the branding. Like, you know, when we came out, we'll see Ray Allen jersey in the co-op for $65 and we couldn't eat a pizza. We couldn't have enough money to eat a pizza. And we like, how y'all selling this jersey for $65? And everybody in the stands in the section got a Ray Allen jersey on. That didn't make sense to us, but we couldn't fight it. You know, but now, you know, I'm glad people stepped up. We have the name, image, and likeness. Um, it's just changing the world. It's changing dynamics. But with, with, with more freedom comes more discipline, too. And we got to have discipline. We got to teach them the tools to be successful with everything that comes because social media can use, be used in a bad way and it could be used in a great way. Um, what's the time, what's the priorities that I had guys have, what's your life and how you're using your body, like all these different things that I want to teach. And that comes from the mindfulness athlete. Kevin, this was fantastic. I'm glad we got to connect. Yes, thank uh, you. Overtime elites here uh, in New York playing here the next couple of days. And, you know, you play a national schedule. You guys are you're on the road, you play. Obviously, base is in Atlanta. And, and we're going to be hearing a lot about I think NBA draft, people who follow the NBA draft are going to be hearing a lot about overtime elite as we get closer to June Mm. and the Thompson twins. And you've got some younger guys are going to be in the next, like you've got a pipeline going on. We got a pipeline going on, but it it started with those first group of guys betting on themselves, turning pro um, with no building. We didn't have any building. We was in core four, and they just believed in the situation that we had presented in front of them, and they made they made our, our organization, they made our league, and now we're just going to keep building on building on top of that. And uh, we're going to walk by faith and not so by, by sight. Great. Kevin, thank you. Okay, thank you, Well, It's great to see you. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.